I love being in the house of the Lord, don't you? I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. I'd rather be here than anywhere else with God's people worshiping him. Amen. Praise the Lord. God is so good. And it's just amazing what God is doing. I just, I just am blown away with the goodness of the Lord and the favor of God. Which leads me to the message this morning because I want to talk to you about the favor of God, which is what we call grace. Yeah. God graces us. It's his divine favor that he's giving us. And I want to talk to you just a little bit about it this morning. We're going to have communion. I noticed you all looking at the communion table and and uh, I decided to wait to the end of the service this morning because I wanted our message to speak to us, to bring us to that place where we properly come to the Lord's Supper, where we properly partake of communion. You know, it takes a little preparation sometimes to get us to that place. Um, my message is entitled this morning, The Sufficiency of Grace. But before we do that this morning, I just feel like we need to stop and just have a word of prayer and, and move forward. But we got several folks that are not with us this morning. Brittany, and she's heavy on my heart. Um, Brittany Morrow, Brian's sister, is back in the hospital down at, uh, down at Northeast. And she had a high fever the other day. Her, her fever spiked. And so she just gotten out of the hospital a couple of weeks ago, so she's right back in there. And so uh, my wife and I stopped by Friday evening. We anointed her with oil and prayed for her. Well, I got a text from her this morning. And she said right after we left, her fever broke. It was like almost 104. And, and it just broke. And uh, so, but she's still got to stay in there a couple of days. Let's just pray that, that whatever's going in her, on in her body, because we know that in this, the sufficiency of God's grace the mercy of God and the power of God to heal is available. I mean, the work's already been done. Would you all agree with that? So if the work has already been done, there's nothing else to do but to lay hold, lay claim on what God has already done. And I say that to say this. If, if you have something going on in your body or you know somebody who does that you've been praying for, right now I just want you to claim the promises of God. We're going to do this together, okay? I just want you just to claim the promises of God over those who are sick, whether it's you or somebody else that you know that you've been praying for. If, you, if you're one of those who, who've been sick in your body and the enemy has just given you fits, lay your hand on yourself. Claim the promises of God. Let's do that. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you this morning and we thank you that your word declares that who himself bear our sins in his own body on that tree, that we being dead to sins might live under righteousness and by whose stripes you were healed. I was talking about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and what he did for us at Calvary. He bore those stripes on his back for our healing, and so we lay hold of those promises. He was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes ye are healed. So we thank you, Lord. The work has already been done, that you have sent your word and you have healed us, Lord. We thank you. That Jesus Christ went about doing good and healing all who were sick and oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we know that he's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. And his healing power is still available. So, Lord, we lay hold on it. We claim it for Brittany. We claim it, Lord, for others in our church family, Lord, that have been afflicted with the, with, the, with the things of this life, Lord, the, the cares of this world, and with sickness that the enemy has tried to put upon us. Lord, we rebuke it in Jesus' name. And we stand on the authority of your word, Lord God, that says that by his stripes we were healed. So it's already been done. So we praise you for it and thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. In Romans chapter 5, it's... it's um, this is one of, one of those great chapters in the Bible that it talks about the good things that we like to talk about, the benefits of suffering and all that kind of stuff. And, and uh, you know, we love to, to, to talk about those things, don't we? I mean, how many of y'all just really love to suffer for Jesus? Well, it, it happens. And, and the thing of it is, there's grace that we have. Romans 5, 1 and 2 says, therefore, everybody say therefore. 
since we are justified, and that I'm reading this out of the Amplified Version uh, because it just makes it a little, you know, adds a little added emphasis. It says, since therefore we are justified, acquitted, declared righteous, and given a right standing with God through faith, let us grasp the fact that we have the peace of reconciliation to hold and to enjoy. Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. And through him, we also have our access or our entrance or introduction by faith into this grace, state of God's favor in which we firmly and safely stand. And let us rejoice and exult in our hope of experiencing and enjoying the glory of God. Now, grace is a gift of God, isn't it? It's, it's given to us freely. It's, a, it's attained through faith, though. So there's an action on our part that is required to obtain this grace. It's not that we have to work for it or anything. There's just one action that's necessary. What is that? We must accept it. We accept God's grace. We stand in it. And and I'm thankful the Hebrews said that there is a rest for the people of God. You know what that rest is? That we stop working and trying to, to please God through works and feel like that we have to be in a performance mode for God all the time. You know, you're not going to make God love you anymore if you do everything that you can to please Him. He's pleased when we just do what we were created to do. We all have a divine purpose. Everybody say divine purpose. You know what that is? That's God's a God-given purpose that He's given us. It's our destiny. And God is pleased when we fulfill it. When we waste our lives away, that's a waste to God. That's a waste of his grace. That's a waste of his favor. But he loves it when we stop trying to please him through works and just do what we're created to do. Amen? Amen. We're created, first of all, to do what? Worship. We're created for intimacy with God. I love it. I love just, just getting together with him. Sometimes when there's nobody else around is, 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 is one of my best times with the Lord. But I love it when I get with his people and everybody corporately together worships the Lord. Wasn't last Sunday an awesome experience? Man, I tell you, that charged my battery good. That was good worship, good praise. It was all about that. Today's a little different. Still carrying on with that same mode, but, you know, we need that corporate worship. We need that time of praising the Lord together and that time of halal, that time of hilariously worshiping Jesus. But we also need those moments of intimacy with Him. Just when we're, we're quiet before the Lord and we just are, are just basking in His grace and his, his mercy and His love and we accept what He's done for us. You know, recent events have brought about a cry for justice. You know, we've heard that word used quite a bit here lately. Well, it's been used a lot. But in God's economy, that's something that you and I really don't want. You know why? Because justice tells us that we get what we deserve. We get what we deserve. When somebody murders somebody, someone or, or somebody commits a crime and they get caught, what's the thing that we want to see happen? We want to see them prosecuted. We want to see them do their time. We want to see them punished for their actions. And so if we get what we deserve, guess what? Not good for us. Not good for us at all. We we all become crispy critters if we get what we deserve. We get death because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everybody say all. You know what that word is in the Greek? It's the word P-A-S, pas. You know what it means? All. All. All, not any, nobody is, is, is exempt. All of us have sinned. But, but pastor, I've never done anything wrong. Well, you just did something wrong right there. You lied. We're born into sin. We are sinners, not because we're, we sin, but we sin because we are sinners. It's, it's, it's our nature. All of us, Romans 3.23, for all the sin is fall short of the glory of God. And Romans 3.10 said there's none righteous, not even one. Not one of us can claim that we're righteous. So in God's just, uh, justice system, we are all guilty. And the last thing that we want is justice because justice is getting exactly what we deserve, which in our case is death. No, what we really want 
is mercy. We want mercy. And mercy is just the opposite of justice. Mercy is not getting the bad that we deserve. So what do we deserve? Death. But we don't get it. We get life instead. That's God's mercy. The gift of eternal life that he gives us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's mercy. That is the epitome of mercy. I can't think of any higher example of mercy that God has given us. And God has favored us, and he's given us something else. He's given us grace, his favor. Grace is, not, is, is, get, is, grace is getting the good that we do not deserve, which is eternal life and not death. I would call that the favor of God, wouldn't you? Aren't you glad that God has favored you, that God chose you? You know, yeah, you do know. I used to say that that my life changed when I found the Lord. Well, it didn't really because he never was lost. I was. I was the one that was found and not him. But his mercy found me. His grace kept calling out. His love kept reaching until I finally accepted what he had done for me. When I accepted his favor, when I accepted his grace, when I accepted his love, then my life began to change. And it's constantly changing even now. And you know what? I am thankful that according to Lamentations, his mercies are new every morning. Because I need them. I need them. My wife will tell you, I need them. I need God's mercy. Grace puts us in a position of right standing with God, and it keeps us there. Hallelujah. It keeps us there. We can rest in God's favor. We can rest in his mercy. We don't have to keep striving and wondering. I'm glad I finally put that to bed one time in my life. I used to really struggle with that. You know, one day I'm saved, the next day I wonder. Because I might have had a thought. I might have done something wrong. And I wonder, am I really saved? Am I really saved? Well, it's not by works of righteousness that we have done, but it's by his mercy alone that he saved us. Thank God for his mercy. It's by his grace, not by works of righteousness. You know, it's, it's, it's what he has done, not what we have done that saves us, and it's our acceptance of that. I mean, this is the perfect message for Labor Day. Labor Day weekend, we're not supposed to labor, which is kind of weird that they would call it Labor Day. <laughs> Seems like we ought to have to do twice as much on that day since it's Labor Day. We ought to call it no Labor Day or non-Labor Day or something, but, it, you know, Labor Day weekend. And, and, and yesterday was wonderful. I got to go play around the golf. I did really good. I only lost one ball. <laughs> to me, that's a good day of golfing. You know, when I come back with, you know, almost as many balls as I left with, that's a good round of golf for me. And I got, I got it under 100. I shot a 97. And then I had to go play the next nine holes. That's, <laughs> I was tired when I got home, but it was fun. <laughs> and the reason why God's mercy and his grace is so good is that because we are totally incapable of keeping the law of God perfectly. I don't know if y'all know who Mark Lowry is. I've always been a fan of Mark Lowry. I just love the guy because he's crazy. And there's a little bit of crazy in all of us, you know, but he's just over the top crazy. He's just, he's just, you know, I I don't know if Mark's ever been married. I don't know anybody to marry him. He's just that crazy. He's just, but he's funny. He's always funny. He's always saying funny things. And I love to hear his stories about when he was little, when he was young. And he was ADDDH. I mean, if you could put any more Ds in there, any more Hs in there, that's Mark. He's just over the top, just hyper and everything else and funny. You know, most, most people that way are funny just because that's just because they do crazy stuff. And, and he does his favor of it. But he, he always said, you know, that he's thankful for the grace of God because there's no way in the world. That the way that he was created, that he could be perfect. You know, I I feel the same way. There's no way in the world, because of the way that God has created me, 
that I could live up to the standards of those around me and even the standards of God's word. I mean, which, you know, it's just the way that I've, nature itself has dictated that. So therefore, I am totally, I bought into this grace thing. I'm all about it. I'm all in. You know, I thank God for his grace. I thank him for his mercy. And we, because of, of, our, of our inability to, to live up to the standards of God's word. Now, God's word, we know, is perfect. His law is perfect. Making wise is simple. God's law is per- perfect. But the problem is, what? We aren't. That's exactly right. We aren't. So if we try to live a perfect life, we end up spending our lives feeling like a failure, don't we? Aren't you glad that there's a rest for the people of God? That we can rest in God's grace, that we can rest in his mercy, we can rest in his love. You know, God doesn't sit up in heaven with a little daisy pulling petals off of it. I love him, I love him not. I love him, I love him not. You know, he has this one thing, and he has has proven his love in this, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's an amazing thing to think that God would die, that he would send his son to die for somebody like moi. I mean, folks, I know what kind of critter I was. You may not know much about me before, and even now somebody would say, well, I just can't believe God would die for you. But boy, you should have seen me then. You know, but God has done a work of grace in my life to get me to this point. And it's grace that has brought me safe thus far, and it's grace that's going to lead me on. You know, the writer of that song, Amazing Grace, had it. He hit the nail right on the head. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. You know, God's grace is so sufficient. It is so awesome to think that God has given us something that, that we could no way purchase. We don't have enough money. His grace saves us. His grace has put us in right standing with God, and it keeps us there. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. Again, this is in the Amplified Version, so if it gets too loud, let me know. I'll try to turn it down. For it is by free grace, God's unmerited favor, that you are saved, delivered from judgment, and made partakers of Christ's salvation through your faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves, of your own doing. It came not through your own striving, but it is the gift of God. Not because of works, not the fulfillment of the law's demands, lest any should boast. It is not the result of what anyone can possibly do, so no one can take pride in himself in it or take glory to himself. For we are God's own handiwork, his own workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew that we may do these good works which God predestined or planned beforehand for us, taking paths that he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them and in which he had prearranged and made ready for us to live. God already knew. He already had a plan in place. He fulfilled his plan. Now we just got to buy into it. And if we do what God has called us to do, we can live the good life. He came to give us life abundant. You know, John 10, 10 says, The thief cometh not for to kill, steal, and destroy. How many found that to be true? Listen, when the devil comes and makes promises, he's just setting you up. He's baiting the trap. And you fall right into it when you do what the devil says. But the result is always ruin. It's always death and decay. Never anything good comes out of it because he's got one objective in mind. And that's to steal your soul. That's to steal your very self. He wants to destroy the thief cometh not but for to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I am come that you might have life. Zoe, the God kind of life. And that you might have it more abundantly. Wow. Now, if you're living one of those kind of quote-unquote Christian lives where you're bored stiff, 
and there's no fun, and you're just existing, I have a feeling that you're really not buying into the grace thing that God has done for you. You're still trying to do it yourself. And you're afraid to do anything for fear of failure. You know what? If you walk in this thing long enough, you're going to fail at one point or another because of who we are. And that's not a bad thing as long as you fall forward. As long as you keep pressing on. As long as you keep going. You know, this life dictates that we set up for failure. We live in an imperfect world. We're imperfect people. So failure is bound to happen sooner or later. But it's not the end of things. But grace says that though I fail, God's grace carries me on. It allows me to get up. It allows me to keep going. I'm down, but I'm not out. Struck down, but not destroyed. You know, I'm I'm just thankful that, that God's grace gives us the ability. It saves us, and it enables us. Grace enables us. 2 Corinthians 4, 13 through 18 says, and this is the New American Standard Bible. It says, I believed, therefore I have spoken with the same spirit of faith we also believe and therefore speak because we know that the one who rose Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. All this for your benefit so that grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Now pay attention to this, okay? This is important. So we can fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, for what is seen is temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. We call that living by faith. Walking in the power of God's word. Calling those things which were not as though they were. Healing is a good example of that. You know, when we, when we ask someone to pray for us for healing, we expect instant results. And the results have already taken place. We have to stand in faith to receive the desired end of what we're praying for. Now, faith calls those things which were not as though they were, just like Abraham concerning Isaac. God told Abraham, you're going to have a son. Hey, Abraham put it in the bank. And he waited on the Lord, and he did not falter. He did not even, he didn't give up on the promise of God, even though he was way beyond the years and the ability to father a child. And so was his wife. He was 100, she was 90. Think of that. And yet Abraham didn't falter at the promises of God. You know, sometimes the things that, that seem to be impossible are the things that God loves to set up in our lives. He loves to, to have those divine setups so that when a miracle is needed, that's the only answer we got. No other way around it. we got to have a miracle because a miracle is something that man cannot do. We can't manufacture it. We can't get enough herbs. We can't get enough medicines. We can't do anything about it. All we can do is stand on the promises of God and call those things which were not as though they were. I'm healed. You don't look healed. Doesn't matter. I am. Well, how do you know you are? You don't look healed. Nothing's changed. Yes, there has. Something's changed in my spirit. I'm standing on the promises of God. I'm standing in his grace. I'm standing in his ability. I'm standing in his favor. I'm standing in the favor of God. And God's favor says that because he has already done the work for me, it's accomplished. So therefore, I just got to accept it. How were you saved? When were you saved? Y'all know the answer to that, don't you? I've told you that. You know, if I were to ask you to save, I'd probably get varying answers. Well, I was saved on June the 20th, 1965. Or I was saved on, you know, January the 30th, 1977 or 85 or whatever. No, you weren't. You were saved 2,000 years ago. 
You accepted your salvation. You accepted what Jesus did for you. You believed on that day. I believed on August the 15th, 1975, and I accepted the work that Jesus had already done for me, and my sins were washed away, and I was born again. Hey, life began anew for me that day when I believed. But it was God's grace was already in place. God's grace is, it gives you all sufficiency in all things when you understand that you have the favor of God on your life. I love saying I'm God's favorite child. I fully believe that. You can believe what you want to believe about yourself, but that's my story and I'm sticking to it. I'm God's favorite child. If you don't believe me, look at me and look at my wife. When you say I've got the favor of God on me, she's gorgeous. That's God's favor. Look at my son. Well, we won't go there. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love you, Jeremy. <laughs> but God's grace enables us. So it says, we fix our eyes. Not on that what is on what is seen, but what is unseen. That word fix in the Greek is the word scopio. It means to see, to watch out for, take notice of, look to. So we fix our eyes on things that are eternal, things that we can't see. How can you fix your eyes on something that you can't see? How can you? It is by Faith. Faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, what is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So Abraham had faith. He believed God, and God accounted it unto him as righteousness. So when you have faith, that puts you in a good position with God. And when we, by faith, accept his grace, accept what he has done for us, accept his favor, his mercy, though we don't deserve it, we deserve judgment. But God says, no, I'm not going to give you the judgment that you deserve. I'm going to give you something else. I'm going to give you favor. Hallelujah. I love that got the favor of God on me, not because I deserve it, but just because that's the kind of God he is. That's the kind of benevolent, loving father that we know. I, I thank God that we serve a God who's not out to kill people, not out to, to, to make people love him, demand that, he, that people love him, but gives us that option of loving him and caring for him, and, and just accepting his grace and his goodness into our lives. So grace gives us the grace not to look on our troubles here, but to fix our eyes and see beyond into another realm, into the realm of God's favor, this thing we call grace. Grace has always been, and grace was available for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Though the Bible doesn't say anything about grace, when you go back to Daniel chapter 3, but it was the grace of God that was there, right? You see God's favor upon these three Hebrew children who, who their only sin was that they would not bow down and worship the idols that, that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And, and, and so those around them saw an opportunity. They seized upon If we can get rid of these Hebrew kids, see, we can get rid of those guys because they're smart, they're good looking, they're favored. They got the favor of God on their life. And I want to tell you something. When you walk in the grace of the favor of God, people don't like it, not in this world. They don't like it. I mean, it doesn't make you very popular when you're just being favored with the favor of God. I mean, you know, the world will look at you and they will try to criticize you and try to tear you down, try to destroy your character and everything else when they see the favor of God. The devil don't like it. But you know what? I don't care if your hair lips the devil. I don't care at all. It don't bother me at all that it messes him up. When the favor of God is on my life. He doesn't like it. He would try to destroy it. He would try to, to, to take the seed of God's favor out of me. And, and, and to destroy the grace of God in my life. But you know what? I'm the only person that can keep him from doing it. 
But grace enables us to stand. We have that ability. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they faced the wrath of Nebuchadnezzar in his furnace, but grace was with them. Grace was with them. It was the fourth man in the fire. Grace, the favor of God. When they stood before Nebuchadnezzar and he, he, he declared, you know, you bow down and worship me, I'll let you go. If you don't, I'm going to throw you in the fiery furnace. And they said, look, if you throw us in the fiery furnace, if God delivers us, that's wonderful. But if he doesn't, we still won't serve you. We still won't bow down to your idols. Have you ever had to make the choice? Have you ever had to make that choice of, you know, when somebody comes to you and they say, well, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that if you don't deny God or if you don't do this or that or give up on the Lord? If you don't lie, if you don't cheat. But they wouldn't. I like the old song that says they wouldn't bend, they wouldn't bow, they wouldn't burn. So Nebuchadnezzar, he got so angry because they wouldn't bow down that he got the furnace seven times hotter than it was before. It got so hot that the strong man that threw them into the fire got burned up themselves. That's what happens a lot of times. When the fire of God is in our life and we're burning with the zeal and the, and the goodness of God and the fire of God in our lives, and then those around us who would try to destroy us are the ones that get destroyed themselves. Because God will fight our battles for us. That's what grace does. But he threw them into the furnace. And those who... Who, were, who threw them in, they, they perished because of the heat. But Nebuchadnezzar says, get them out of there. He said, because I see them in there and, 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 and there's another person in the fire. And this, is, this has got to be none, none other than the son, one of the sons of God in the fire. Get them out. So when they brought them out, guess what? It says that their clothes were not singed. Not a hair of their head was singed. And they didn't even have the smell of smoke on them. Can you imagine? When we live our lives in the grace of God, no matter what happens around us, no matter how hot it gets, no, how much, no matter how heated things are, when we stand in the grace and the goodness of God, it won't touch us. It won't touch us. And we don't have to come out smelling like smoke. We don't have to come out looking like the world either, do we? We stand in the grace and the favor of God. His grace is sufficient. Grace was poured out on all the world as God sent out on the cross to save the world from the bondage of sin and death. God showed us his favor. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Grace was shown to Paul when he, had, when he found himself susceptible to pride and was given a thorn in the flesh, which was a messenger of Satan that tormented him. He prayed three times that God would take it away from him, but instead he gave him the following answer to his prayer. It's the same one that you and I get a lot of times. When we pray, God, take this away from me. Lord, you know, just, just take this burden away or do this. But he says that, he says, my grace. What is grace? Come on, help me out. The favor of God. The favor of God is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. When we stand in the grace of God and the goodness of God and people see it in our lives, though we may be weak in our flesh, though we may be, may, may be feeling like, you know, I, I can't handle this much longer, God gives us the grace. He gives us the power. He gives us the ability to, to overcome. And, and he gives us the, the, the ability to stand because his power is made perfect in our weakness. So as a child of God, you're highly favored. Knowing the natural None of us chose to be born. How many of y'all had the opportunity to sign up and say, well, I want to be born? I don't recall that myself. All I know is that one day I came into this world and I didn't have a choice as to whether I would be born born or not, but I did have the choice as to whether I would be born again or not and I'm glad I made that choice and when I did God's favor came upon my life now today we're going to we're going to share in the Lord's Supper and as we do we're going to remember the favor of God, the grace of God that he's gone to such extremes to reveal to us Titus chapter 2 verses 11 through 14 says for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men It teaches us to say 
no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. God has brought us to this place. How many of y'all are looking for his appearing? You know what? I've been a student of the Bible for a long time. And I have listened to prophecy, studied prophecy, watched And everything that has been prophesied concerning the coming of the Lord is in place. Only thing left now is his appearing. So the grace of God has appeared. And it teaches us something. It teaches us to say no to all ungodliness. It doesn't teach us that we can do whatever we want to and live however we want to live. It teaches us to say no. And he gives us the grace to stand and live righteously as we look for his appearing, which isn't going to be long. And I want to say something as your pastor this morning, and and I I want to say it loud and clear, and, and I want you to take this warning, and I want you to tell everybody that you know. Jesus is coming soon. Be ready. For in the moment that you think not, the Son of Man is coming. We're living in a day when the world around us says, where is the sign of his appearing? It's just like the Bible said it would be in 2 Peter. We read that in 2 Peter chapter 3. For ever since our fathers died, we've heard. Where is it? Scoffers. Scoffing at the very thought of Jesus coming back again, scoffing at the, even the mention of his name. We see it all around us. There's a strong delusion, even in the church. When the churches around us are buying into the worldly system and denying the power of God to sustain us and help us to live in righteousness. When we accept the things of the world, when we allow those kind of things to creep into the church We're denying the very power of God that teaches us to say no to ungodliness. And Paul told Timothy in the last days it would be exactly like this. Exactly. He said there would be those that would would have the appearance of godliness but would deny the power of God, deny the very power of the Lord. We sing songs of old. We talk about healing. We sing them as though they're a thing of the past. And we talk about change as though it's a thing of the past. We talk about holiness as it was something that our grandmother talked about. But we don't have to do it because we've got grace. That's the wrong grace. That is the wrong idea of grace. But grace is the favor of God in that he has shown us his mercy. He's given us the ability to live a godly life. And I want to tell you something else that Paul said. He said that they that do live godly in Christ Jesus shall do what? Suffer persecution. It's not going to make you the most popular person on campus. It's not going to make you the most popular person around town. But in God's eyes, he's pleased. And I would rather please God than man. I want you to stand with me this morning as we get ready to partake of communion. I'd like for our ushers to come and go ahead and get ready to distribute the communion elements. And I want us to recite something together because this is the epitome of God's favor. This is the epitome of grace. And it's Isaiah 53, verses 4 through 6. I want you to say it with me. You got it up there? Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. 
But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That is God's favor. That is God's favor in that you and I deserved death and punishment, but Jesus took it upon himself. Even though they thought that he was the one that deserved death, he knew he didn't, but he took it anyway because you and I do. You and I did. But God's favor says, no, I'll let him take it for you. It was the just for the unjust. It was the sinless for the sinner. It was God's favor. This is the sufficiency of grace. It was enough. It was enough. You may be seated. We're going to pass out the communion elements, and I'd like for everybody to hold them until everybody has been served. Then we're going to partake together. And Father, we thank you, Lord, for the sufficiency of your grace. And Lord, as we approach your table today, Father, to partake of the body and the blood of Jesus, Lord, we remember, we remember your favor. We remember what you have done for us. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Father. 